0: We're um, continuing and renewing our series in Ephesians, and it naturally breaks in the chapters uh, as we move into chapter four. The first three chapters, and you'll note this in the, in the New Testament, that when Paul writes, he's pretty slow to tell us to do anything. Have you noticed that? It's <laughs> like you're waiting for him to tell us something to do, because what, he's, what really must happen is he must show us who we have become. And and Ephesians begins with pointing to us uh, that God's plan and purpose, in Ephesians chapter one, verse 10, it says that he purposed to unite all things in heaven and earth and to bring them under one head. Actually, the word used for bringing everything together means to bring everything together under his son, Jesus. And and again and again in Ephesians, it talks about God bringing heaven to earth. One of the ways he does that is he blesses believers who come to Jesus in the heavenly places with every spiritual gift in him. And then in chapter two, he says that he makes us a new workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So he recreates us. And he puts us on display. We saw in chapter three that the church is on display to teach angels. We often think of all the things the angels could teach us, and I'm sure they could teach us a lot. But that the church is to teach angels the manifold wisdom of God, especially how when the cross is preached, it draws sinful people like me to want to say, God, I want you to be the center of my life. I don't wanna run my life by myself. I trust you to run my life. And the angels watch that and say, how awesome is Jesus and what he did because this causes sinful, rebellious people (laughs) to volunteer their lives and sign up for Jesus. And, And so those first three chapters are especially just all about what God did, God did, God did. But then you get to chapter four and there's this like this pivot that you should not detach from the cross, but it's the expression of what it means when you love Christ, when you've come to love Christ, how that gets expressed. And so um, chapter four, which one begins that therefore, uh, and it talks about the foundational truths of the church and the passage we're coming to today um, is speaking about our new identity in Jesus Christ, beginning at verse 17. Uh, and it is it, it instructs us first of all that uh, we need that new identity. We don't have to fight for it, create it. Or we don't have to audition for it. We already have, have received it. But what we do have to do is listen to it and nurture that new identity in Christ. And a big theme in this text, and you'll hear it as we read through verses 17 through 25 is that to maintain that identity, we have got to evict the lies that continually um, surface, even from our own hearts. You don't even have to listen to media or, or uh, subject yourselves to places that are misleading you, but lies are the big enemy of this new identity. And so that's one of the key warnings as we look at Ephesians 4.17. But let's not give attention to uh, this word of Christ. And Again, as I love to say, the only thing that will be perfect in this sermon or any sermon is the reading of the word of God. And so let's pay attention to this, the inerrant um, word of God. And so verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood And speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Let us pray. Father, um, would you honor your word now and make it compelling in our hearts and minds? Um, Would you make it clear? Would you allow only that which supports your word and is faithful to it to go forth uh, from what is spoken and what is heard and processed? And would you build us up as a church family Would you build us up as individuals, Lord, uh, with how great your truth is? We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. This section has two basic applications, to put off the old life and to put on that new life that is given to us in Jesus Christ. And and I I want you to think about uh, your life as having these alternative broadcast opportunities. And one is the channel of God, And one is uh, the foment of lies and distortions that seek to um, access the control power uh, through uh, misleading us. And there's no place uh, in the world that I know where this came more to be a reality than in 2004 uh, in the Ukraine. Been a lot of attention uh, on the Ukraine. But if you uh, roll back from the current um, tragic um, invasion that is going on there now. Um, in 2004, there was the, uh, an election that involved um, one person, both of them were named Victor, <laughs> uh, but um, there was Victor Yanukovych, uh, who was Putin's pawn in a sense, and then there was this man, Victor Yushchenko. And you see him here because um, these are both the same man. Hard to believe, right? but he was poisoned and the thought was that he was poisoned in order to disable him um, from being able to be elected. And when the election in 2004 happened, um, the television screens and the media were controlled by a foreign, uh, by uh, the communist agenda. And when they reported on the election, uh, they of course reported that Putin's pawn won decisively when the opposite was absolutely true, everybody knew it. And everybody knew this was lies. And in the lower corner of that screen is a incredibly courageous woman named Natalia Dmitrich. Natalia Dmitrich was born to two parents who uh, couldn't, did not have audio, audio hearing. Uh, and so she learned to sign at a young age and she is the signing translator so she's the signing translator. She knows she's in the lower portion of the screen of media and the script that uh, the station was reading was that pre-approved, you might say, Putin-influenced script saying that, you know, it's, it's uh, Viktor Yanukovych, um, Putin's pawn, who has decisively been acclaimed by the people. And when she saw that, she says that she was so outraged by these lies that she refused to transmit it. And so imagine this. You have the hearing impaired population of the Ukraine seeing this woman. She not only refuses to tell lies. That would have been amazing if she just said, I won't do it. I won't do it. But not only did she do that, she did what our text says. um, She refused to tell lies and she told the truth. And she says, I am addressing all of the hearing challenged people of Ukraine. Do not believe what the large screen is telling you. Believe this truth and that is that he won the election. And so what what it resulted in, this courageous woman um, who was willing to take this stand. And then she ended her little speech with saying, I don't know whether you're ever gonna see me again, right? Uh, but the people showed up in mass. Uh, and as a result, uh, the court system uh, was still not so corrupted that it couldn't produce a verdict and said, we've gotta have a re-election. Uh, and so eventually, um, um, Viktor Yushchenko uh, was elected to power until later he's exiled in Russia. But this shaped the whole course of this nation. And and, uh, this was written up, I think I first read it, uh, Philip Yancey, Christian author, had written it up. But I think it's so relevant to our lives as believers because in your life and mine, here's, here's what's going on. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and I think even if you are not yet a believer in Christ, there are two screens vying for your attention. And I think what Jesus Christ is saying and what our passage in Ephesians is saying is, be careful about which screen you're listening to. Which screen are you allowing to speak into your life? Which, which definition of yourself, of, of who you are, are you listening to? And um, so he, he begins by pointing out that there is still at war within us, uh, this old identity, and he describes it in verse seventeen. He says, "Don't no longer live as the Gentiles." What's really interesting here is the word for Gentiles—the word "no longer live as the nations." And in Ephesians, he has just taken a lot of labor to say, "If the Christian church is not really defined by a, a any national boundary, it's a new—it's the new creation in Jesus Christ, right?" Uh, so we encompass. All the nations and we are defined by no nations. We encompass all the races and we're defined by no races. We're we 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 know that Jesus is for everybody and we welcome everybody on board. So we can't be captive to any other of those identities. We don't have any other we don't have any energy to be laboring for any of those other narrow categories because we're worldwide, right? <laughs> We're not seeking to be a geopolitical nation that Jesus blesses. We're seeking to be the church that blesses all of the nations in Christ. So it's this radical realignment, right? But here he's saying, don't be like the people who are spiritually homeless, who are living their lives. And so he's saying, the Christian, here's what he's saying, the Christian should be different than everybody else. And he's saying the Christian must be different because when you look at how the Gentiles uh, live, um, they live in the futility of their thinking. And he describes them as um, darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God and and with hardened hearts. And I think like we've had on display in, in this past week such a powerful visible contrast of faith and anchorless drifting, no faith. And, and and I think that's all been seen in the drama that played out on the NFL field uh between the Bengals and Bills when DeMar Hamlin um his heart stopped beating and he had to have CPR applied to him for ten minutes. And what was so powerful, and I don't know whether you saw this clip in one of the one of the sports shows, but that one of the you know some of the anchor people prayed and they prayed in the name of Jesus and they prayed saying our hope has a name. What we've sung, what we sang in worship, right? And and there was one sports announcer and I'm, forgive me, I don't know his name but he just said, I really envy you folk who when the unthinkable happened and disaster came and this most fit, prime, beloved athlete is on the floor and and." and all of these 200 something pound players you know are weeping and distressed you all knew what to do did any of you see that clip of that announcer in this like sports center and it's like i envy that i don't have that i marvel at it and and the world has had this on display right <laughs> because when when the bottom falls out like that it's like okay there is no competency of my false self of my hidden you know Um, fake self that would stay in the shadows to be competent to manage this kind of situation. Do you get that? (laughs) And that in a sense is is what he's saying. He's saying that the false self is just governed by trying to stitch together an identity that will make sense. And that identity, again, it's stitched together in the dark. Verse 18 says, it's stitched together separated from the life of God. It's stitched together, ignorant about the life of God. You can be very learned in all kinds of ways, but ignorant about the life of God, and with hardened hearts, uh, and and he moves on to say that that identity, it doesn't have any sensitivity to things of the spirit. It just says, what feels good to me, um, what will indulge what I want, uh, and and is full of greed. In other words, uh, the worst snapshot of a heart out of touch with God, he's saying, that's not the way you live, and, and so this is what he concludes in verse 20. that, however, is not the way of life you learned. but that old self, it, he, it does lurk in us and it seeks control. It's that old self that is adrift from God, and when we're adrift from God, we always eventually become opposed to God. That's just, that's just the reality. When we are drifting, we will never we will never drift on, you know, to the island of Jesus and align ourselves with that. You don't drift into that. And so he says, that's your old self that is seeking to command the citadel of the control center and to speak into your life what you should be. It's identity. And if we've ever had a season of time, I've been pastoring some 30 years, even though I'm only 30 years old, um, but I... I can tell you this, I've never seen more of a need to affirm and root and anchor ourselves in identity because the world is so enamored with the idea that everything is up for grabs and you just choose your identity. And what this text gloriously says is that we are being renewed in the knowledge of our creator. You know, when you renew something, you're not created it all from scratch, but you're saying it was once What was in all of us was once perfectly displayed uh, to be the image of God. That was the original design, but it became a cracked image. You know, I I used to, with kids in VBS shocked them, I'd take a a face mirror and I'd put it under a towel and I'd show them there an image first and then I'd put it under a towel and I'd take a little hammer to it, crack it, and then I'd say, can you still see yourself? And they'd say, "Mm, I can see myself kind of, but it's all cracked, it's all broken. That's us now. We're all broken image bearers, but when we come to the cross, he is renewing that image, the ability to reflect the fullness of God. And so here's the reality. There is no one on the planet who does not in some way still reflect the fact that they are a creation of God and they were made to reflect him and to radiate him. But what they're being misled by is to say, separated from the life of God in darkness, with a hardened heart, you figure out who you are. And so this is causing absolute misery and chaos in our world. Uh, because everything is up for grabs. Uh, and so it's, it's been, it's been a, hor- a horribly unstable situation in unbelief forever. <laughs> but now it seems like it's just amplifying itself. It comes into all kinds of categories where it says there is nothing that the creator has to do with who you are. And there is nothing that the way you were made has to do with who you are. You choose it. You figure it out. So you can, a little bit of Oprah, a little bit of Tony Robbins, a little bit of what you're you know, professor at the university you went to, uh, a little bit of self-help, a lot of your own ideas, what do you want to do, follow your heart, all of that, right? Some Disney songs, (laughs) whatever. Mix it all together and give yourself to it and pursue it, and it's causing misery. And it's getting to the point where it has almost so overstepped its bounds. I mean, and I really do say this with compassion, but I, uh, you know... (sighs) It's almost to the point of self-ridicule, but I mean, I saw a, a, a picture of some someone, and I mean, I do say this with compassion for this image bearer who is so broken, but they were convinced that they were a lizard. And, and this is, I learned that this is a thing, that you can be a person who thinks that you wanna be a reptile. And so they had shaved off all of their hair and had some electrolysis, they had curved their ears, they had tattooed their face, and they had implanted beads up the back of their spine all the way up, like a mohawk type look, and they were seeking to approximate being a lizard. And and the people around them, in a sense, were saying, you know, yeah, good for you, awesome, be the best lizard you can be, you know, um, get that next surgery, you know, mutilate the created way that you were made, and, and I think like what what a colossal failure. And 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 you know, even they're un, you know, they can shop for a counselor or mental health, you know, so called professional who will just if you shop far enough and long enough, again, I so respect those who do the right work of mental health counseling, they are awesome. But if you shop, you can eventually find somebody who will just ratify whatever you say. And we find this, and this is this is going on in in terms of categories of, of gender, categories that, that are set to just say, none of that is planted down, none of that is anchored, just be what you are. And that, that allows this to go rampant, and it is not ending well, and it is also creating an avenue where we say, Hey, we all struggle, we all struggle with issues of identity, right? We all struggle with how we are made and our families of origin and how to piece it all together. <laughs> But the good news is, is there is an identity and anchor that is actually, it's a path of wholeness, it's a path of light, and it's a path that God will give us assistance and help toward and grace. That's our message, and I mean, I have to believe this. I have to believe that as the world spins off in all of this chaotic way, that one way that God moves in it is that he says the church is this place of healing and of light and of sanity and where some of those pieces get brought back together, right? And, and and so that's that's what this text is saying you've got you've got to not listen to the screen, and that screen sometimes is the large screen. sometimes it's a large screen in our lives because we have not nurtured the truth of God and so he says verse twenty i love I love this 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 is Paul maybe shouting a little bit." He says that, that whole figuring your life out on your own with darkness, separated from the life of God, listening to the most negative voices of maybe people who were not serving you well in your upbringing. <laughs> he says, that is, however, is not the way of life you learned. <laughs> That's the pivot in this text. Uh, that is not the way of life you learned. And I love, he says, when you heard about Christ and were taught In him, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. He's saying, when you heard Jesus, you didn't just hear about a God outside of yourself, but you heard about a God who was going to change you. So you no longer process life and identity and all these things in that old way. And and, and so you move forward, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off that old self. And that old self is being corrupted. By the screen and broadcast of lies. And it's being corrupted by its own deceitful desires. You know, I think just, I think it was an old African American preacher who started this, but he used to, you know, talk about life without God. And then then he just would punctuate it by saying, How's that working out for you? How's running your own life? Coming up with your own morality? Governing your relationships and, and the offenses and grievances and difficulties in your life, how is that working out for you? <laughs> because you say it's, it's a corrupting, corrupting influence. And here's the beauty of the gospel. It says be made new in the attitude of your minds. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. And then he says, and put on the new self. And Do you realize what a radical verse this is? Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This means that we were created for glory. (laughs) That there is no person on the planet that was not created to bear the image of God and to have that brought to a luster and shine and to have the things that distort us as image bearers brought to an end. There is an identity that God has for us and he is about, what what he's about doing is renewing ourselves in this. And it means we expunge the old identity and that there is a new identity that is coming about. And here's what I love as we go into a new year and as we come to the Lord's Supper. Whatever 2022 was, and it seems like it was fading fast, right? So we're on the eighth day of the new year. Whatever it was, it is dead. It has no hold on us. We could have, I mean, physically, you could have spent 2022 eating tasty cakes and cheesesteaks and, and, and doing nothing but operating a TV remote control, and you put on 85 pounds, that's history now. That has no hold on you. You can be new. You may have put on a new addiction. You may have created pathways into your brain down the path of that new addiction, but you know, that was 2022. That has no hold on you. That may, maybe it was January 7th. Maybe it bled into the new year. All right, that doesn't matter. Today is January the 8th, and it is a new day in Christ Jesus. And if you were in Jesus Christ, those things have no hold on you. You can be new. And you can renew yourself. And the reality is, even with a Christian life, that is that generally the new self and the fullness of the new self doesn't come because God just zaps us into perfect conformity with Christ. I mean, sometimes people make big changes because they're just virtually like, radically alerted somebody prays and there's just like all the pieces come together and they're alerted i I heard of somebody who was saying like they had they had smoked for 35 years they got married they had their first child and as they held that baby in their arms and they were a chain smoker they decided they did not want to subject that infant to any more chain smoking and they quit like cold turkey yeah, I'm not talking about Christian Hesling and the twins. He's not a chain smoker. He's not, he's not giving up. But, it's like, but it was just like that experience was like, whoa, it's a revelation. And so I'm not going to poo-poo that that happens. I'm not going to say that, that sometimes it is an instant and glorious. But what I would say, I think, in this text, it's saying that every day we can take steps that feed the newness of our life and, and the glorious script that God wants us to live out. I think this is an echo of, of what Paul writes in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ uh, and I no longer live. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I want I want you just to think about this a little bit because sometimes I think we, we misunderstand the old life, the new life. The new life is a life, each one each one in this room, I believe, is unique as a snowflake. I didn't call you snowflakes. I said, you're as unique as a snowflake. And that there is is not a one-size-fits-all, carbon copy kind of temperament or personality or life to live. Because sometimes that verse is used to say, well, I've been crucified with Christ, my old self, I'm dead. Now, it's just God letting Jesus express his life in me. And, and it makes it sound like God didn't really like anything about the way we were created as individuals, and now he's just gonna you know, assimilate us into the Borg. You Trekkies know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, that basically, that we're just gonna live it, and he didn't really like us. And I would just say, that's not what, that's not what Galatians 1 says, or Galatians 2.20 says. It says that old self's been crucified with Christ so that now I this unique DNA. Do you know that everybody in this room has a unique DNA that God knew about? It didn't catch God by surprise and that God planned and he began to love us before we were even created and and somehow when we were knit together and you know, it was like, okay, well, this gene has been recessive for three generations, but I'm gonna make this gene show up right here in this way. And, and this one's gonna be dominant and recessive and make this person exactly what they are and then I'm gonna bring them into fellowship with my son and as they yield themselves to my son, they are gonna become a unique display of individual, unique, Jesus-y living. <laughs> That's the vision God has because when he created us, he, he created us because he wanted to love someone like us and there wasn't anybody like us and, and and so the whole mixture of the what we might call liabilities and assets or strengths and weaknesses or tendencies and whatever, he's not wiping anything out of those except sin. <laughs> except the part that spoils that and he's bringing that to a luster that expresses who Jesus is and that's the new identity in Jesus Christ. And every day really every moment, we are making decisions about what station we are going to tune our hearts to and what we are going to do in the development of that. That's why, and I mean when I say what we do as a church is we're trying to amplify the screen of God. We're trying to, to amplify the voice of God, right? on the on, on the two screens that compete for our attention, we want to go with the the one that God is broadcasting from and speaking into us and saying, you're a new creation. You're more than conquerors through faith in me because I love you. Um, uh, there is no condemnation for that failure. You know, when we fail, the legalist in us says, man, I I don't want to call on God my father. He must be so ashamed of me. But, but the spirit would say, run to your father <laughs> and say, God, I'm so messed up. Take me in your arms, <laughs> guide me. You know, help me do what the GPS used to tell us, right? Recalculate my steps from here to where you want me to get to, right? That's, that's what we've got to do. We've got to, to amplify that. And so we need help in that. We, we, we need the help of each other and that's why he says, each of you must put off the falsehood and then it's not enough to just not be telling ourselves lies. Although that would be transformational. If I could just stop the lies that surface from my own heart, that would be amazing. But one way we do that is we stop the lies as we put on the truth. We don't just create this vacuum, we put on the truth and we speak truthfully as members of a body and work it out. That's that's why frankly, there is no place that you can imagine in the New Testament that we, we live the Christian life alone. There is no place that it can envision that it's just me and Jesus um, creating this pilgrimage of life, but it's that you need a body, you need a fellowship of people. You need people who know you well enough to say, hey, maybe here, are you starting to tell yourself some lies? (laughs) Are you starting to believe some lies about yourself? Because here's, here's the reality. The truth is so much better than a lie. This is the reality of the gospel. I will bank uh, my whole career as a preacher and a pastor and a believer in Jesus Christ on this reality that the truth is so much better than the lies that I tend to want to believe about myself and one of the great truths besides besides all these great classes we have, I think like our cow classes it 's like we have set a menu for for remarkable engagement with the word of God I mean you can come to a class week by week that is simply discussing the text this text of the sermon and trying to apply it to life that's the sermon application class or you can come to a class taught by Denise Smith she's sitting right here she's laboring over the book of Colossians this letter about the unequaled supremacy of Jesus Christ and how he completes us and to like sit with her in that class and to open up the word of God and let it form us and shape us. Uh, and, and then there's a, a book study, this, uh, this book called Deeply Formed Life, that is about five rhythms and practices that if we'll apply them to our life, we will express who Jesus is better and better. There's something for everybody there. There's other small groups and studies and, and places, but, but what makes it work is, it's not just a download of some information but it's opening ourselves up and saying, man, here's what's hard for me about believing that or accessing that by the power of the Spirit. Will you pray for me? Here's where I'm struggling this week because I'm I'm having to deal with somebody who's really offended me or a difficult relationship. How do I put this into practice? And you develop, again, this community that is helping us not listen to the broadcast that wants to imprison us but but to listen to the place where there is freedom and life. And this is what Jesus said. He says, you shall know the truth. And what shall the truth do? What does the truth do? It sets us free. It breaks our bondage. It lifts our discouragement. I can tell you, if you're listening to something and it's discouraging you, if it's making you more sick of yourselves <laughs> and and it is just isolating and fragmenting your world, then I would submit to you, that is not the voice of the spirit of Jesus Christ. And so everything else, and you could just say, this is a sermon that basically lines up the rest of scripture. Everything else that God gave in the scripture is seeking to amplify his voice of the new and upward. It's an upward calling in Jesus Christ for us. Um, Let's pray. Father, thank you for these verses. Thank you that you would have this destiny for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, you know our frame, that we are so quickly lured into living out of the false self, the shadow self. Um, And so we pray that, we pray that you would reinforce the beauty of truth, that it's not only right, but it's beautiful, it's true, but it's beautiful, it's uplifting, it's what we need. And so we ask, Lord, that you would um, just punctuate your love and this message with the exclamation, the unique exclamation you gave us in the Lord's Supper. Reminding us, Lord, and proclaiming to us uh, how great you are in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's my privilege, what a great way to begin January 8th, by to invite you to the Lord's Supper. Uh, the Lord's Supper is for those who belong to Jesus Christ, and we're gonna confess... Uh, a statement of faith that the church has used for centuries to say, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? And then it's for those who will come in hunger and humility, openness and brokenness to receive the Lord's affirmation. Um, This preaches such a powerful sermon to us. Um, I saw a video this week of a a homeless man who um, someone was taking worship in the Lord's Supper to and when he, when he took the element of the bread and the cup in his hands, he says, when you do this for me, my whole week goes better. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? But <laughs> well, what I think we can say is to Jesus, Jesus, what you have done for us makes the totality of our whole existence gloriously better. Uh, and the beauty of this supper is it's for sinners. There's not a single one of us not a single one of us who deserves to be invited to this table. There's not a single one of us who has lived worthy of it. Quite the opposite. There's not a single one of us who just has excusable sins that are easily forgiven and could come to it. None of us. But we come on the merits of Jesus. And so if you're willing to receive that and you have planted your faith in that, then this table is for you. And so what we're going to do now is display those. So I'll ask if you were able to please stand. And let's confess What we believe, and because we believe in the communion of saints and the forgiveness of sins is one of the things we believe, and we're going to celebrate what that is. And so let's confess together using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. "'Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, "'was crucified, dead, and buried. "'He descended into hell. "'The third day he rose from the dead. "'He ascended into heaven "'and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. "'From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. "'I believe in the Holy Spirit, "'the Holy Catholic Church, "'the communion of saints,' the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As you believe that, that is the basis on which you come. And then you come in the humility of this prayer. And these words, this prayer is simply lifted from Psalm 51. And let this be our prayer. We're gonna pray it aloud, read it aloud, pray it aloud, and just make this the whole manner in which we come to the Lord's table this morning. So let us make this our prayer together. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cease me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. It's my privilege as our servers, if you would please come forward to give you the words of institution. And we have gluten-free uh, and then this is for dipping in intinction so I invite you um, after these words of institution to find your way forward and to take these emblems and here is the basis of what you're doing Jesus said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of the sins of many and with the bread after taking the bread and breaking it he said this is my body which is broken for you take and eat in remembrance of me and on the command and the welcome of Jesus, I invite you to the table of the Lord. Come forward as you're led and celebrate God's grace. Would you please rise with us?
1: Jesus, our King has come.
0: He is so faithful. What a great way to end this service with that word that can speak louder to us than any other word. The word of Christ is broken and poured out body and blood. Uh, And so it's always my purpose as we leave to pronounce the the word of God over you. The reason I'm, I'm old school about benedictions is they're not just closing prayers. They're really a call to how we are to live in confidence that the same God we experienced here, the same elevation of our hearts and our sight of him, is the God we carry with us who's gonna work in us in the coming week. And I wanna pronounce over you one of my favorite benedictions from the Bible. It's one that, that says God is able to keep us from falling as we begin a new year. With all these uncertainties, we don't know what's gonna come and our path or be thrown. But as we lift up our hearts to this God, he keeps us not only from falling, but presents us with great joy before his presence. So open your heart, Uh, The right way to receive a benediction is to kind of open your eyes and even open your hands and say, I receive this. Uh, That's the way they did it in the Old Testament when they received a blessing. They're saying, I receive, I receive. Uh, And so now receive this from the word of God. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you spotless before his glorious presence with the great joy to the only wise God be glory, power, authority, and wisdom forever and ever to all generations. And God's people together said, amen. Amen.